G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Our special guest this hour, fielding these calls and questions, Dr. Alan Meyer. Alan Meyer heads up Careforce Life Keys. He and his wife, Helen, his passion is for the moral and spiritual integrity of men. He is well known around the world for his discipleship program called Valiant Man. He's the author of numerous manuals and teaching programs on all kinds of relationships. It's not just men, but families, marriage, church, even government. And he has a passion for the restoration of people. Uh, he's got that in the centre of his being, in the centre of his heart. He is our guest this hour, Alan Meyer. Welcome along to 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. It's a pleasure to be with you, mate. Alan, let's just uh, just pause for a moment to talk about your passion for these restored relationships because really with what you do at Careforce Life Keys, you've become uh, globally renowned now for uh, specialising in this area of Christian ministry. Uh, what is it about restoration that's just so important? Well, um, I think it was the kind of the growing awareness that church is supposed to work. Um, the... Jesus, when he was seeking to explain his reason for being here, adopted Isaiah 61 as the explanation of his ministry. The Spirit of the Lord's on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, the binding up of the brokenhearted, the opening of prison doors for captives. And in Isaiah 61, we get this very clear uh, embracing by Jesus of the not not just the ministry of salvation, which is obviously the core of why he came, but um, beyond salvation to re- rebuild broken people. And uh, when it dawned on us that um, church, if you're going to lead a church, it's got to be a restoring community. It's got to be about not just salvation. Uh, it's got to be about restoration, and that means rebuilding broken lives. And that, that's what captured us and in many ways changed the very nature of the church that we led for 26 years. Well, in the lead up to our conversation today, I've been saying we'll be talking about the Ten Commandments of marriage. And for some people, when we talk about Ten Commandments, it's like uh, they think, oh, that's the Ten Commandments from the Bible, a whole lot of outdated uh, legalisms that people don't pay much attention to these days. But uh, you've brought a focus on the Ten Commandments Uh, which uh, brings these to light in such a way as they are an integral part of every relationship. Uh, How does the Ten Commandments uh, connect with uh, issues like marriage? Well, it goes to the heart of what the Ten Commandments are. I mean, the way in which people have viewed the Ten Commandments is that they think that maybe there are ten things to do to get to heaven. Um, It's like the law that you have to obey to get to heaven. Uh, or it's maybe 10 things to do to try to get God to like you. Um, That's not what the Ten Commandments ever were. And it was that misunderstanding that caused so much trouble for the nation of Israel. Um, The Ten Commandments were were never about salvation. Uh, When Israel was brought to Sinai to uh, receive the Ten Commandments, 
she was already saved. God saved Israel by the blood of the Passover lamb and by an exercise of his great redeeming power. And he drew her to himself. The Ten Commandments are in fact wedding vows because his intention of bringing uh, Israel to Sinai was to invite her to enter into a special relationship with him in touching the whole world. And in Exodus 19, just one chapter before the Ten Commandments, God says to Moses, go and tell Israel that though I own the whole world, I'm willing to make you my special treasure. And the proof that God viewed um, his receiving of Israel at Sinai as a wedding comes years later when the marriage has now failed. Uh, you go 700 years on down the track and you hear the prophet Jeremiah uh, speaking on behalf of God saying, what was it about me that you couldn't love? Because back there in the beginning, in Jeremiah chapter 2, he says, I remember how you loved me and followed me like a bride through the wilderness. And in the next chapter, he says, I give you a certificate of divorce and I send you away. Um, sometimes people have viewed the church as a very dangerous place to try to rebuild a broken life after divorce. But the Bible reveals that God himself is a divorcee. I mean, God has been through the pain of embracing a nation as a bride and then that marriage not working. And he had to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away because he says, because of your, repeat, your repeated adulteries, I can't take this anymore. I'll send you away. Um, so when people come to the church, they need to realize that the God who built the church and owns the church is a God who understands the pain of divorce because he's been through one. Um, and that the Ten Commandments were never about salvation. They were about a relationship that would never fail. And that's what makes uh, the Ten Commandments and marriage so vital. You see, people are made in the image of God. And the very thing that God was seeking in his bride is what we have been mostly seeking in our search for a lifetime partner. And that's what makes the Ten Commandments so insightful when it comes to building a relationship that you want to last. Okay, we're going to talk about those Ten Commandments and how they relate to marriage. But just to pause and reflect for a few moments on something important you just said. And uh, having not gone through a divorce myself, and I know you haven't gone through a divorce uh, with your wife, Helen, uh, but to reflect on the fact that, as you say, God has gone through a divorce. He knows the pain of divorce and there is solution to the strength of relationships in in what uh, what you call uh, these uh, uh, these uh, heart uh, feelings, the uh, and these things that are, are very important. Uh, this this divorce that God has gone through. I mean, people would obviously be thinking, well, surely God could get it right, but that's not yeah. the case. And that's the see that's uh, it underlines for us. It's so easy to be judgmental. Um, and say, well, you know, God hates divorce, and he does because he's been through one and he knows how destructive it is. He knows how damaging it is. But um, we need to realize that one person, no matter how hard they try, can't make a marriage work. Uh, it requires cooperation on both sides. And even God couldn't make his marriage with Israel work. And as a result, in Jeremiah 3, he says, I, gave, I give her a certificate of divorce and I send her away. So that if God can't make it work, then you've got to realize that there'll be times when people can't make it work either. And we do need to be careful about being um, destructively judgmental in those situations. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. And um, we, we, need, we need to be helpful. 
I'm always interested, you actually say that there aren't really any good role models for marriage in the Bible. Uh, That doesn't mean that that's not educative as to how to have a good uh, role model for marriage, but but there's lots of destructive role models for marriage that don't don't work when you look at the Bible. And it it is remarkable because um, marriage is the primary and the, the first of all the relationships that God establishes in the Bible. And yet, uh, if you would think that being the case, that there'd be lots of really good examples of marriage for us to copy or to learn from in the Bible. But who do you learn from? Adam and Eve, that didn't work out so well. Um, how about Abraham and Sarah? Well, I've never tried to sell my wife once, and he, just, he tried to do it two times, handed his wife over to other people. Um, how about Jacob and his troublesome little four wives, or David and his six wives or Solomon and his thousand wives well see that there's you've you've searched pretty hard to find any information in the Bible about a marriage that you could actually use as a paradigm for your own and that's not true in other areas if it came for example to leadership I mean it'd be easy to find lots of people you know Jeremiah the leader Nehemiah the leader Jesus the leader uh, Paul the leader um, but you, you find it very challenging to find a single marriage in the Bible except for this one and that is God's intention for his marriage with Israel. And that's where the Ten Commandments become so important. Well, wanting to invite our listeners to be part of our conversation today, Alan, and opening those talkback lines on 1-800-316-316 for your thoughts on how to make marriage last. And you might have a, a comment or a question about how to get your marriage back on track. 1-800-316-316, our talkback line open with Dr. Alan Meyer. Alan, let's talk about these Ten Commandments, and we'll go through them quickly because a lot of people don't remember the Ten Commandments. A lot of people don't have this sort of part of their random access memory where they can just quote them off the top of their head. Yeah. So let's, let's go through these Ten Commandments. And then we'll we'll enlarge on fortunate people who can, because I was raised in a Lutheran church, and Martin Luther believed that uh, every Christian should know at least three things off by heart. He thought they should know the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, and the Ten Commandments, and he built his catechisms, his his discipleship processes around those three things. So, having been raised in a Lutheran church, um, this has been part of my discipleship background. So when you come to the first commandment, God says to Israel, you shall have no other gods before me. And here we are introduced to the idea of a covenantal relationship. Now, we'll come back to that later on. Then he says, uh, I don't want you to have any graven images. Now, here is the, the second commandment says no graven images, no idols. And an idol is simply taking your relationship energy and expending it anywhere else except in a face-to-face relationship with the person you're supposed to be relating to. And that becomes so vital in every area of long-term relationships that we learn how to do things face-to-face. We take our relationship passions to the right place and we do our relationships face-to-face. Third commandment, you shall not take the name of your Lord, the Lord your God in vain. Here um, we get the, the recognition that the words you use and the way we communicate will either build or destroy a relationship. Then the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. God said to Israel, it's going to take time. If you want your relationship with me to last, you need to give it the time that it deserves. Focused time, exaggerated time, uh, extravagant time, and out of that will come a relationship that will change the rest of your week. 
than the fifth commandment, um, you shall honour your father and your mother. You've got to learn to recognise sacrifice and treat it with the honour that it deserves if you want relationships to last. And you're supposed to learn that in your own home. Sixth commandment, you shall not kill. Jesus reinterpreted this commandment and said, you've heard it said don't kill. I say to you, I want to talk to you about anger. And the sixth commandment says to us, if you want relationships to last, you've got to create a peace-filled and safe environment. Because you fill an environment with anger and violent mood swings, it is impossible for people to form intimate relationships in that environment. Then comes the seventh commandment, you shall not commit adultery. Well, Jesus redefined that one too. He said, you've heard about it. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. And of course, adultery will destroy a marriage. But he said, I'm going to say to you, whoever looks at a woman and lusts. So it goes beyond the issue of uh, just uh, the outward behavior. This is what the whole Valiant Man program was about. And that is purity has got to go to the core of the way you use your eyeballs and the way you manage your own heart. Then, of course, the eighth and ninth commandment are about character. You shall not steal. Uh, you shall not bear false witness. Uh, these are both, uh, you cannot love people you can't trust and who, who don't speak the truth. And then finally, he says, uh, you shall not covet. Uh, coveting is the belief that the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. God gave me stuff, but I could never be happy with what I've got. I could only be happy with what I don't have. And it leads to judging things by what they aren't rather than appreciating them for what they are. And at every level in life, the moment you begin to treat what God has given you with disgust because it isn't everything, uh, you destroy the ability to relate to that thing well. And these, these things, by the way, Neil, these relate not just to marriage. This relates to raising kids. It relates to building a, big, a great business. You can't build a great business unless you can create relationships with your employees and those who are part of your team uh, that last for a long time. You can't just have people flowing in and out the door and build a great business. You can, if you want to build a great community, you have to be able to do long-term relationships. If you want to build a great government, you've got to be able to have people who can stick at a task and stay together for a long period of time. And as a result, these insights are about building anything significant that you want to last if you can understand the implications of these 10 commandments you've got the principles or the big building blocks of great long-term relationships we'll talk some more we're talking the 10 commandments of marriage you can be a part of our conversation our talkback line open 1-800-316-316 what do you need to know about marriage before getting into it or what do you need to know before getting out of it Uh, all this could be quite confusing we'll be talking some more about these 10 commandments of marriage and uh, interesting insights, as always, from Dr. Alan Meyer, who heads up CareForce Life Keys, former leader of the CareForce Church at Mount Evelyn in Victoria, one of the largest churches in Victoria. And some uh, great insights today. You might like to be part of our conversation. You might have a comment. You might have a question. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 
2020 on Vision. Talking through Ten Commandments of Marriage today, Dr. Alan Meyer, who heads up Careforce Life Keys, our guest. We're talking through these issues of marriage, Alan. Uh, the one that we come back to at the very first commandment is this issue of a covenant or an agreement. Uh, how, does this, uh, how does this become such an important platform to base a marriage on? Well, it goes to the, one of the main reasons why marriages fail so, so regularly. Uh, in our country and it's because we've lost the idea or the concept of covenantal relationships. I mean, it's an interesting thing. You you um, you have youngsters come to you today and they say, I want to get married. And I ask the question, I say, well, why do you want to do that? And they'll tell me, well, because we want to be happy. Well, good Lord, don't get married. I mean, I mean, if you want to get, if you want to be happy, go to Disneyland. If that's the reason that you're getting married, then it's an, ins- it's an insufficient reason because happiness comes and goes. There's got to be a bigger reason for marriage than that. And one of the great uh, insights, I think, on marriage is that it goes to God's, the core of God's purposes in our life. Who you marry is one of the most profoundly you know, significant questions as to the unfolding of God's purposes uh, in your life, I reflect on the girl I married. I mean, the the reality is, if if all we were after was happiness, then there'll come seasons in your relationship when you're prepared to say, "Well, look, I'd be happier if you weren't here, or I'd be happier if I wasn't here." But our relationship's about something much more than happiness. It's about God's purposes for our life, and this is where you come to covenant. See, um, the first commandment: "You shall have no other gods before me." is a statement about willing to let your alternatives be put on the altar. And that's why we, when we get married, we say, I'll meet you at the altar. What happens at an altar, Neil, is that they put something to death. Uh, an altar is a place where things die. And that's why at the core of covenant relationship, there are three ideas, a cutting, a binding, and an eating. And if you want to see that demonstrated, you go back to Genesis 15 and God demonstrates to uh, Abraham how you make a covenant. And he said, go get some animals and cut them in half. Now, when you cut an animal in half, there's blood all over the floor. And God then walked down that aisleway, that blood-soaked aisleway, in order to make promises. Now, the the, the insight, I guess, is this, that any time you make a long-term relationship, you have to be willing to let stuff go. In other words, you've got to be be willing to let things die. And one of the things, when it comes to marriage, that you have to be willing to let die is your dream of perfection. And everyone, particularly, you know, in this Hollywood era, we have so many romantic ideas about what life will be like for us that when we come into the reality of a relationship with an imperfect person, we just can't stand the fact that it isn't perfect. And uh, one of the first things that you've got to put on the altar is the dream of perfection. Um, Helen and I don't have a perfect relationship, but we've just built a great marriage for the last 47 years because I don't expect perfection and neither does she. I didn't marry a perfect woman. She didn't marry a perfect man. Uh, We put that on the altar when we stood in front of each other years ago and we put that to death. Now, I know this. Women wept all over the world the day I I got married because, (laughs) you know, suddenly I was off the market. Um, I put every single alternative on the altar and I let it die. Uh, Jesus put it this way, except a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. Now, if you want to be alone for the rest of your life, uh, just hang on to a dream of perfection. But if you want 
intimacy, then you've got to be prepared to build intimacy with an imperfect person. And so all marriages really begin with doing some very clear work on expectations. And it's one of the reasons why marriages fail. Very little, we, we spend more time preparing for a wedding than we ever did for a marriage. And as a result, often our expectations of what we're, head, of what we're stepping into are just so inappropriate that uh, we're almost certain to fail. A brief comment, Alan, given we're talking about you're really uh, raising fabulous points about the imagery that we have walking down the aisle uh, to the altar and uh, it's like that cutting of the covenant. Uh, Just an amazing uh, image that comes to light for people who are familiar with certainly those Old Testament's uh, understandings of of uh, of sacrifice uh, in Australia, of course, there's been a big move towards just civil ceremonies, leaving the church out of the picture. And at the moment, there's a move to dismantle the whole meaning and an understanding of what we have had traditionally as marriage in Australia. Uh, this is sort of the slippery slope, isn't it, to, to a point where things could ultimately be completely destroyed when it comes to the image of marriage. Well, there's no question about that. See. The, the, the increasing challenge we face is that the more we take a materialistic view of life, there's no God, um, marriage is, the, is a social or humanly, humanly invented institution. Uh, and as a result, we can define it any way we like and we can just run it any way we like. Then we'll, we, what we will run into is increasingly the suffering that not doing this appropriately in a way that does match the way human beings are made, uh, the suffering that that will come from broken relationships. Broken relationships hurt people. They hurt the people who enter into them and they hurt the people, the children that are the product of them. And um, I guess one of the most important issues for me is that I'm a follower of Jesus. And when Jesus was asked about marriage, he said, don't you know that from the beginning he that created them created the male and female and said for this cause a man shall leave his father and his mother and stick to his wife and the two shall become one flesh and then jesus said what god has joined together see marriage is a god kind of joining and as a result if you don't have god kind of insights for this joining if all you've got is human wisdom human strength and human understanding you're going to find that all too often that's just insufficient for the institution that you're dealing with and as a result um, I think when we when we fail to understand that marriage is not something invented by people it was invented by the creator and that there is a a pattern and truth that relates to this then um, our ignorance is going to ignorance helps nobody Bible says we're alienated from the life of God through ignorance and when you don't understand what you're doing out of that will come pain. There's going to be hurt. one 316 If you have a comment or a question uh, dealing with marriage and the Ten Commandments today, Dr. <coughs> Alan Meyer, our guest. Let's hear from Margaret in Northern WA. Hello, Margaret. Welcome along. Hi. Good morning to you. Margaret, great um, to hear from you. What are your thoughts? Um, this is such a broad subject. Um, and just being in the, in the health industry, I just want to um, underscore a lot of what, of what Alan has been saying about the importance of marriage. But we live in such a first world where we treasure privacy, become so materialistic. Men aren't the leaders and the, the father and the, 
the one that takes care of the family in this day and age, and that goes a long, long way to things being, you know, going wrong. The family should be the core. This is where everything should start. I look at brand new moms or, or parents with their babies, and they have no idea. It is so hard. It's so difficult for them because they, this whole family structure has fallen apart. I look at the elderly, and they go home, and I think to myself, where is the, where's the child to look after you? How are you going to manage at home? We're not raised in an environment anymore where there's manners and respect and where we share and where we, and where we learn from our aunts and uncles. And Margaret, let's hear some thoughts from Dr. Alan Meyer. Uh, there's lots of good points that Margaret's making there. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with her. And uh, the, uh, the reality is that um, the, the more that our community, our nation, drifts away from the knowledge of God and just from a reverence for God, then increasingly uh, the issues of marriage, of parenting, of family is simply done with whatever wisdom you've cobbled together from watching other people or from reading books or watching TV, and whatever ignorance you have accumulated, it's going to be so damaging. And um, I, I, my, as I was listening to Margaret, I, I was thinking, you know, one of the things I'm so grateful for is that I was raised in a home where my father was a man. My father loved my mother. My mother loved my father. Um, I never woke up in the middle of the night to hear my mum and dad having some kind of an abusive argument. It just never happened. Um, I lived in a home where my father thought my mother was the, the most wonderful thing that ever happened to, uh, to him. He would read us the Bible around the table. Every, it was my father would read the Bible around the table every night. Uh, my father was just such a stable and good man. And I got to see what marriage can be in a home where people love God and love each other. And that's one of the reasons I, I am so... Uh, concerned to help people build a great marriage because I was raised in one and, and it is one of the greatest privileges of life. Margaret, thank you for your call. Let's hear from John in Port Hedland in WA. Hello, John. Good morning. John, what are your thoughts? Yeah, buddy, um, sustainably in the way that life is. All right, I hold it in the highest regard, but I always believe that your uh, money is good as the company that you keep. You have all of these issues on TV. That is where basically it stems from. In regards to uh, the way that kids are brought up, kids are becoming young adults at too much of a young age. That's why they're not actually brought up around um, around churches or being read the Bible as such. My, me, myself, I grew up in a community with my grandfather. Every Sunday it was church. I've learned to accept that and acknowledge um, God in my life. I'm a, I am a Christian person. But until the things in our society actually changes in the way that you, you appear to others, your physical appearance, um, the stuff that, that you hold dear to yourself, especially love, because most people these days, as soon as um, they get too far in their life, they sort of just shut off from everybody else because ignorance plays a big part in their life. It's easier just to be left alone than it is to, than it is to actually branch out and reach out to somebody. That's why so many people are always on uh, Facebook, um, computer-generated systems that nobody actually initiates. You That's know, right. John, let's, uh, let's hear some thoughts from Alan. There's a lot of ignorance, Alan, if you have no platform, no foundation yeah, well, I, for marriage. I, I agree. With, you know, as one thing John's saying there is the community. Um, if, if the community from which you are learning 
your uh, experience of life is the TV set, we're in a lot of trouble. And the, the more people drift away from a really healthy church environment where you've got uh, men and women, older men and women who've done the journey, uh, who can encourage, and younger men and women who are learning to do the journey well, uh, there's just going to be suffering. We, we're going to have a community that, that just has a lot of suffering. John from Port Hedland, thanks for your input today here on 2020. Let's hear from Brad in Cairns in Queensland. Hello, Brad. How you going? Very good, Brad. I'm, I'm a married Christian man myself and uh, been happily married for a long time. I do believe there is a place for unions of people of the same sex, but you can't call it marriage. Um, everyone needs companionship. The moment you tell a person they can't have a companion, they become lonely, disenfranchised. Now, my personal belief is that marriage is the greatest gift that God gave man and woman, and it is between a man and a woman. But that doesn't mean that two other people can't love each other and share a life together, but they can't call it marriage, and it would be the same as a marriage. Children shouldn't be raised by people that are the same sex, because children need both men and women. But God loves all his children, regardless of how those children see themselves, whether they see themselves as gay, lesbian, transgender, God still loves them. It just means that they can't get married in the eyes of God because God specifically said man and woman. Alan Meyer, your thoughts on what Brad's sharing? Yeah, it's a it's a really troubled area um, in Australia and and in the, the wider world today. People are uh, they struggle. I feel deeply for people who have um, same sex or attraction because um, it is true. Everyone needs companionship. The Bible um, has nothing uh, to rebuke people about when they have desires that are unhelpful it's how you it's how you handle them it's what you do with them and i think uh, i'm i'm grateful for the fact that i've never had to deal with the, the difficulty of same-sex attraction and i feel for those who do and i think my my friend is correct i think the the bible um defines and uh keeps marriage as an exclusive union between a man and a woman for life and while uh, there's no question that the um, gay population deeply need friendship, um, gay marriage is not about friendship, it's about sex. Um, you, you can have, it's not about who you can't love. You can love, I, I can love my kids, I just can't have sex with them. I can love my friends, I just can't have sex with them. And uh, I think the issue of marriage is that this is a person with whom I can express myself sexually in an appropriate way. Thanks to Brad from Cairns for your insights today. Dr Alan Meyer is our guest. He heads up Careforce Life Keys. Our topic of conversation this hour, the Ten Commandments and marriage. Talking through issues, the values of the heart, marriage and the Ten Commandments. Dr Alan Meyer from Careforce Life Keys, our guest, talking through these issues. And uh, Alan, uh, there are lots of people trying to get through uh, to be part of our talkback conversation. Let's uh, let's not uh, let all of the distractions uh, come, though, because we want to get through some of these commandments and uh, we'll take those calls in just a few moments. But uh, let's talk about uh, the second commandment, which is you shall have no idols. 
Yeah. Uh, what does that mean? Well, when you come to this issue of the second commandment, God says, if you want a great relationship with me, you're going to need to learn to do it face to face. Don't don't go take your desire for uh, for intimacy to some other place and then tell me it was all for me. And uh, I think one of the most significant things about helping people build great relationships is that um, of helping people do relationships face to face. And um, not everybody feels that equipped for it. It's one of the reasons, you know, men, for example, avoid counselling because they feel like when it comes to the issue of emotional connection that um, they're not that well equipped for it and they, they don't know the words and they're not quite sure how to handle it, what to do. And in, the, in that, they tend to take their, their energies elsewhere. A man, for example, might sit in his office for 18 hours a day with his, making phone calls, writing big business, um, doing the big deals, and then in order, because he loves his wife, and say, look, sweetheart, I bought you a new car. Or, look, I know I haven't been home, but we're going to have a holiday in Fiji. Uh, but she didn't marry the new car, and she didn't marry the holiday in Fiji. She married you, so go home. But he doesn't go home. Because at home he doesn't feel quite as competent as he does when he's sitting at his desk making big deals. And that business can become an idol for him. That's where he puts his face. And, uh, and he avoids taking his face home. Um, that means coaching people on how to do life face-to-face is really important. Um, the Gottmans, who are really outstanding at coaching people in doing marriage well, help people to understand that every, in every moment of every day... There are bids that people make for emotional connection because people want emotional connection. Now, it can come as a question. It could come as a comment or a smile or a sigh or even like a touch or even or a complaint. You know, why aren't you? You, you seem to be home late so often. And the first way in which we could respond to a bid for emotional connection is to turn towards them, to notice the bid to react positively with humour, with affection, with interest, touch their hand in return. And even if there's a conflict going on, you turn, you face the person and you respond to whatever, whatever it is that signals that they need your attention. Now, in stable marriages, 86% of those little bids that take place are taken up by the other partner. The tragedy is that so often we are non-responsive and particularly in a highly technological age where we all can carry smartphones and have tabs and tablets and uh, TV is relentlessly available, the tendency is when bids for emotional connection come, instead of turning towards, we turn away. We just, there's no response. We act deaf, uh, maintain a preoccupied stance, and it really hurts the heart. Um, We act as if I didn't hear you. We act as if I didn't see you. We act as if... Uh, your bid for emotional response isn't even worthy of my attention. Now, in, uh, with husbands who are non-responsive to their wives, they need to know this, that 82% of them are heading towards a divorce court. With women, uh, 50% of non-responsive wives are headed to the divorce court. And I think the reason the number is lower for women is that men don't even notice if their wives have been non-responsive because they weren't looking anyway. And it, it, whole, it, it just leads to helping people to realize how frequently during a day we could nurture relationships just by face-to-face um, accepting a bid for emotional connection. 
Okay, do relationships face to face? 1-800-316-316, our talkback line open. Dr. Alan Meyer, our guest. Let's hear from Rosemary in Melbourne. Hello, Rosemary. Welcome along. Uh, good morning. Good afternoon, Neil. Hi, Rosemary. What are your thoughts on our topic of conversation today, Ten Commandments and Marriage? Uh, well, I think personally... First of all, the nicest example of marriage in the Bible is the marriage of Mary and Joseph. Secondly, I think it's God's way or no way, and I think you've got to understand to make a relationship with God, and if marriage comes your way, good, and if it doesn't, just stay with God. It's better to find God than to cause trauma to other people through uh... Interesting thoughts there Rosemary, let's hear from Alan oh, Look, I agree, I think um, Mary and Joseph are a beautiful example of marriage in the Bible, what we don't get there is we don't get enough information for example to know how on earth did they resolve an argument <laughs> we just don't, we, we know that uh, Joseph was a courageous Man, uh, we know that Mary was this an extraordinarily uh, godly woman, and uh, we know nothing that's negative about their whole relationship. We just don't know enough to build our relationship on the way they did theirs. And I think you know, I think Mary's right, Tim. The the the, the, um, the reality is, it is better to stay single than to marry inappropriately, because um, you can be far happier just serving and living a full life and making a, a great contribution to friends and family and to others than to be in a relationship you wish you'd never entered into. Rosemary from Melbourne, thanks so much for your input today on 2020. Let's hear from Donna in Albany in WA. Hello, Donna. Welcome along. Donna, are you with us? Oh, hello. Yes, yes. Hello. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Donna? Well, I've been <laughs> thinking long and hard and praying about the situation. Um, I think the marriage situation... Is in dire straits, <laughs> and we need, as a society, to be taught again how to relate to each other. Yeah. And I've been thinking, you know, using the TV, documentaries, ads on TV to get to the broader population. Also, in churches, there is counselling and marriage cinemas, but if the partner's not willing, one of the partners not willing to go, it never gets. You can't go. And um, and I think um, it's all this wonderful vice is wonderful, but I think we need a miracle from God. <laughs> yep. And um, and I think it's because society is just unraveling, and the TV I thought would be a good way to teach people, but you have to have people make documentaries or. Whatever. Donna, let's hear a few thoughts from Alan Meyer on yeah, those things I, you're sharing. You're right, Donna. I think the problem, of course, is that people decide whether to watch something on TV or not. And the moment that uh, they're dealing with something that could be healthy, that's changed the channel. Um, the bottom line, and, and this is one of the reasons, too, Neil, that we've been making our marriage program available to individuals, because often even churches don't run seminars or don't run... Uh, the, the marriage program that we've built runs for 10 weeks because you can't do anything in just one or two weeks. Uh, but we've been making it to individuals because if the church won't run it, they need to be able to work on this stuff at home. And as a result, we've been saying, well, if your church won't give you the discipleship you need and to learn how to do relationships well, because uh, the reality, as Donna says, is, you know, we need to learn this stuff. 
And by and large, the society has decided uh, it's kind of more interested in other things. But and you can only you can only help the ones who are willing to be helped. You just you can't you can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make that horse drink. And uh, there's going to be a rising tide of pain in our community, I think, before uh, there is a kind of a, a tidal wave of outcry to say we've got to be able to do better than this. And we're seeing some of those cries emerge in our society at the moment. These, this cry to, for the end of domestic violence, the cry for the end of abusive relationships. And these are now provoking significant response at both the community and the governmental level. There must come a point where a community says, what's wrong with us? And, there are, there, and then um, effective churches need to stand up and be able to say, we can show you a, a way. We can show you a way to do life better. Donna from Albany in WA, thank you so much for your call today. And I'll give the website if you'd like to get a hold of any of these things that Alan Meyer is talking about, some of these courses. It's www.careforcelifekeys, all one word, careforcelifekeys.org. And you'll be able to access a whole lot of different uh, teaching programs all about relationships, family, marriage, church. Uh, that's careforcelifekeys.org. Dr. Alan Meyer is our guest this hour. We're talking marriage and the Ten Commandments back with more in just a few moments. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Good to have you along with us, talking marriage, talking the Ten Commandments. The two go together. Dr. Alan Meyer, our guest, he heads up Careforce Life Keys. A bunch of calls coming through. We'll take some calls. You'll need to be very quick, though. Kevin from Southern WA. Hello, Kevin. Welcome along to 2020. Yeah, good morning, and good morning, Alan. Um, Yeah, just one thing. My wife has done the course, Careforce Life Keys, but uh, what I wanted to say is that... um, I think uh, we have a, a lot of men these days that uh, need to be able to step up to the plate um, and uh, be the man that they need to. They should be um, uh, in accordance with what the Ten Commandments say. Um, I, I came from a Christian family, and uh, I just want to say I had a I had a very difficult time uh, with my father, who was quite a harsh man and uh, found a lot of problems and. Alan, you're a very fortunate man to be able to grow up in a family that when your mother, your father had loved your mother and vice versa. And um, there was times that I just felt that in my family that this just wasn't that evidence. And it was just very, um, I, I could wake up and there would be, or during the day or whatever, there'd be an argument and that sort of stuff. And it was quite horrible at times. Yeah. Um, it was actually, um, it actually affected my, my life, my uh, I had a lot of baggage because of that, um, even though I was in, grew up in a Christian family. Yeah. But um, just um, it actually affected my marriage um, to, to the point that um, I, I, I wasn't... Um, yeah, I thought I was going along okay. I had the wrong things in my head. I tried to do what was right, but eventually I really realized that, you know, I'm not right, and God showed um, me that I needed to change and he actually did that he really worked in my life and um, uh, my wife and my uh, myself are getting along a lot better now we we've learned a lot 
Kevin, um, sorry to cut you short here. A quick comment, comment from you, Alan Meyer. You know, what Kevin's saying is right on the button because um, if you've had a bad family of origin experience with marriage, then there's a lot of gaps and, and sometimes a lot of inward pain uh, that you, you really ought to work your way through. That's why often when we had people coming into our church who needed help with their marriage, rather than put them into a marriage course, we'd put them into man-to-man and woman-to-woman and help them deal with their family of origin issues. Because if you've grown up in a home where there's been trauma and abuse and arguments and you've never seen modeled the kind of kindness, love and grace that does make a marriage work, then just going straight to the marriage is not the place to start. And I'd just say, mate, I'm so proud of you for having been willing to kind of look at yourself and do the man thing and man up and and say, I need to change. Um, And sometimes men need help to do that. So do women. And that's why we created these discipleship courses, because often the the background hasn't been healthy. And if you can go back and kind of deal with some of the background issues, um, it becomes so much easier then to work on the relationship issues, because out of the heart flow the issues of life. And if your heart's been wounded, then, of course, you, you live a wounded life. Good on you, mate. I'm proud of you. Kevin, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. Let's hear from Emmanuel in Perth. Hello, Emmanuel. Hi, how are you going? Very good. Emmanuel, need to be quick. Okay, I've done Valiant Man twice and uh, it was awesome. Uh, and I hope you can come on again the radio next week, uh, Alan. Uh, one quick thing um, is how do you deal with um, arguments in marriage? Make sure they don't go and turn into uh, anger. Absolutely. Look, you see, now you're raising one of the biggest issues involved because now you come to the third commandment where God says, um, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. In other words, the way you speak to me and the way you speak about me, uh, that that makes or breaks the relationship. And here we we deal in our marriage course with what we call harsh startups and soft startups because one of the major reasons why uh, we are not good at resolving differences in marriage is that we've never learned how to have a conversation and how to ask questions of the other person without trying to kind of win the argument before we've even had a discussion. Now, the great thing about this is that skills in conflict resolution can actually be learned. And if we never learned them, if, if we've never learned them or seen them demonstrated, then they're not intuitive. We have a, an emotional reaction. And our tendency is to start our discussions at a very high volume and with a high level of emotional intensity. And that just causes people to uh, defend themselves and to shut their hearts and fight back. And that's, uh, that's where the pain comes from. But I want to tell you, bro, that these things can be learned. And if I ever get a chance, I'd love you to, to do the Making Marriage Better course together with your wife because there's lots of practical. We not only demonstrate, Helen and I demonstrate in the DVDs um, how those arguments escalate. We, we give you demonstrations of how you can do it differently and uh, you really can learn. Emmanuel from Perth, thanks so much for your input today. One last very quick call, Vanessa in Leeton in New South Wales. Hello, Vanessa. Hello. Vanessa, you need to be very quick. Okay, just um, thank you, Alan. You've been fantastic. I just wanted to um, talk about intimacy. Um, Today, a lot of, like I grew up with a a family where my mother married, you know, mum and dad, they were the first boyfriend, girlfriend they married, and yet... Like in my generation, you know, before someone even marries, you know, you've got a lot of people who've been to, through two or three relationships. 
You've got the issue of <coughs> pornography, yeah. um, the distortion of, um, you know, people, how men... Um, you know, we, we don't talk enough to our boys about... Vanessa, I have to cut you short, but uh, is quick quick thoughts on uh, intimacy, Alan. Well, she's nailing again one of the key issues. Um, the damage that's done from un- not knowing how to build a relationship carries from one to another. We live in a highly objectifying community in which young men need to be taught how to treasure and value and discover the heart of a woman and how to share their own heart. Look, these, you, you've, you've got great people who, who see the issues and it's one of the reasons we created our course called Making Marriage Better. It's just one of the contributions that we've made to helping people do life better. And, mate, uh, listening to your people, I'm going to make an offer that uh, we don't normally do and that is normally our Making Marriage Better course is only released to churches but if they want to email uh, into our uh, over the website... I'd make that course available for $50 to anyone who wants it and who wants to take the DVDs and work through them at home with their husband or their wife because I know that over the weeks that they did that, it would make a difference in their relationship. Well, that's a significant offer. Uh, thanks so much to Vanessa for your input. But that offer, a uh, tremendous offer, Alan, normally, as I understand it, that course that you're talking about uh, costs around $300 for churches. That's, that's uh, correct. So you're saying, uh, listeners today, if they email through the website, careforcelifekeys.org, so uh, they'll be they able to heard, get that. So that they were on the radio. They heard it on the radio because normally we, that we only normally let this out to churches. Uh, $50. Uh, that's a huge saving and it certainly is going to be a, a very high quality course uh, for our couples to do. Uh, Alan Meyer, uh, Careforce Life Keys. That website is careforcelifekeys.org. Alan, always good talking. Let's do this again soon. Thanks for being with us on 2020. Neil, it's been great to be with you. God bless to you. and. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.